Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'm sure that um, uh, I'm Paul, and you've already met my wife, Linda, and I'm sure, or should I say, Professor Sir Patrick Whitty. Next slide, please. Sorry. <laughs> but um, thank you, Heather Vale Church, for inviting us along to share with you in uh, your worship and um, perhaps share a little bit about what's happening with compassion, especially um, uh, the things that have taken place over the last couple of years um, during this challenge that the whole world has been in. Um, and um, unmute to start speaking. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're all getting used to technology, aren't we? And I, <laughs> I suppose our knowledge of technology has progressed quite, quite rapidly over the last couple of years with Zoom meetings that we've been on. Um, but yes, I'm Paul my wife Linda we've been married <clears throat> 45 years next month and she's still as beautiful as the day I met her and um, still thinking what I can buy it for tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yes we um, uh, we have three daughters all grown up and we have eight grandchildren um, who we love dearly um, and we are passionate we are passionate about the work of compassion and um you know as i shared with with martin earlier that um this is not my idea i i am completely out of my comfort zone right now and i am reminded of moses when he was in conversation with god and God said, I want you to go and speak to Pharaoh and tell him to release my people. And he came up with all kinds of excuses and reasons why it shouldn't be him. Choose someone else. I'm, who am I? I am not eloquent. I stutter. I, but God reassured him that he would be with him, that he's gone before him, that he's right there with him. And he's got his back. And so I know that he is with me right now. And he's in this room. And um, we are reminded um, in today's uh, scripture um, of how people were hungry and desperate and the people who were loyal to Jesus, the disciples, were um, at a loss as to what they should do. If we could go back um, some verses in that very chapter, um, we read about Jesus sent out the disciples in twos into the surrounding villages, <clears throat> And there they um, healed people, they cast out demons. Um, Jesus told them not to take any food, not to take any clothes. Um, 
And so when they returned, they told Jesus of everything that they'd done, and they were probably quite excited, but at the same time, they were tired. They were worn out. They were weary. And I don't know about you, over the last couple of years, there have been times when I got tired and weary and worn out, had enough of this lockdown, uh, not being able to go anywhere, to wear a mask everywhere. It's been tiring. It's been tiresome. And when they returned to Jesus, Jesus saw that they were weary and he had compassion on them. So he said, you know, let's go away to somewhere quiet so we can rest. So they got into a boat and off they went to the other side of the lake. And as they arrived at the other side of the lake, the people, they got wind of it and they got there before him. And I expect that when the disciples saw the multitude, they think, oh, oh no. But Jesus, he had compassion on these people because they were, hung they were hungry for the word. They were hungry for teaching. And so they all sat down and Jesus taught them. And by the end of the day, I'm sure the disciples were starting to doze off a bit. They said, send the people away. We're hungry. They're hungry. We're hungry. We're tired. Well, Jesus said, no, we've got to feed these people. Don't send them away. Don't send my people away. You feed them. What do you have? And I expect they were pretty much at the end of their rope after what they'd been through over the previous days. We don't know how long they were away. And now they'd been all day and Jesus was asking them to feed, we hear, 5,000 men. We don't know how many women were there or how many children. There was a lot of people. There was a multitude. And he asked them to feed them. Where, where, where are we going to get the food? We're in this lonely place that you brought us to to get rest. And now you're asking us to feed them. What do you have? What do you have when you see the need, when you see the extent of the need? And let's face it, we don't have to go too far to find need. We can, we can see need just walking down our high street. But you know, it's a big world and there are some real challenges and needs out there. And I think to how those disciples felt when Jesus told them, you find something to feed them, you feed them. And um, they found this little boy who had his lunch, his loaves and fishes. And I think about the actions of that little boy. He didn't say, well, <clears throat> I've got three fish, 
you can have and one loaf. No, he gave everything. I don't know whether this will help, but he gave it. And I expect the disciples were somewhat um, um, bemused, if you like, by this little boy's offering, but not Jesus. No matter what, how small our offering is, in the hands of the master, he can do incredible things. He can perform miracles. But first, it takes us to step out. And I'm sure that that little boy, when he stepped out, he probably felt that he was going to be ridiculed. Um, what, what, what good is this going to do among so many people? But nevertheless, he stepped out. And we have that opportunity to step out. Every day we have that opportunity to step out for him. And, you know, we're, we're British. We're sometimes very conservative, aren't we? And um, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know whether I can make any difference, but we have to look beyond our means and look at what God can do when we give him what little we have. And um, where we, Linda and I, we, um, um, we haven't always been involved with compassion, but when we look back over our lives, um, we can see how we can, how our lives have shaped up in seasons. Um, a significant season for us was that um, we went and spent <clears throat> five years in South Africa volunteering for a church. And it was very difficult for us to step out in that season because we'd got three daughters who'd just got married. We had no grandchildren. And on the day that, or the weekend that we gathered together before we left the country, all of our family, our three daughters and three son-in-laws <clears throat> gathered in, in our house. And um, our eldest daughter, who we'd been praying for and fasting for because they'd been trying for a baby and it wasn't happening, <clears throat> announced that she was pregnant. And so we were due to fly out on the Wednesday, and this was on the Sunday. And we questioned God, what do we do? He said, go. Because we'd booked our return tickets for Christmas. This was May the 20th, we flew out. We'd booked our return tickets for December the 19th to come home for Christmas. And Emma's due date was December the 19th. I could not, we could not have manufactured that, but it was God's reassurance that when you step out for me, 
I will step in and take care of your every need. <clears throat> when we read about these, the disciples, they brought, it, they brought the loaves and fishes to Jesus. He blessed it and he broke it up and the disciples distributed after they'd all sat down in their various groups. And after they'd all had, all had their fill, the disciples gathered up what was left. There were 12 disciples. They gathered up 12 baskets. So when we step out for Jesus, he makes sure that we don't go without. He will always provide for us. And in our lives, we have found that time and time again, when we step out for him, he will step in. We will give him room to work by stepping out and putting our agenda aside. Times we were in a financial situation, shall we say, and someone put money in our account. And to this day, we do not know who they were but we know it was a blessing from God that when we step out, he will step in. And for these children living in poverty, we can look at the enormity of how many children there are around the world that live in extreme poverty. And extreme poverty is, is deemed um, uh, someone who lives off of £1.40 a day income. That in itself is so difficult to even comprehend. But there are millions around the world in different countries who are in that situation. COVID-19 has thrown millions more into that poverty trap. And when we start talking about millions and millions, <laughs> we can easily say, and can be excused for saying, well, what can I do? I'm, I'm only one. But that little boy, he didn't say, I'm only one. He gave what he had. And look what happened. You know, you may say, well, that was only 5,000. We're talking about millions. But with God, there is no limit. There is no limit to what he can do with, with our gift. And um, when, we, when, we, when we step out, it actually gives him room to work. Um, I'm, I, if you're anything like me, um, I, I, I can be a bit of a control freak sometimes and Linda will back me up on that, um, that I like to be in control, I like to be in charge and it's only when I have um, said okay I've done all I can do. I mean, a prime example is um, um, when I lose something, maybe it's in my workshop, and I cannot find this, and I, 
I will, <laughs> before I give it to God, I will exhaust every avenue. I will turn every cupboard out, inside out, and I'll even go indoors and, and, and claim that Linda's had it, this tool, this spanner or whatever. <laughs> and Linda will often remind me, hang on, hang on, let's pray about this. And sure enough, it's appeared. And often it's when Linda's gone to it and found it. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do with her. But, um, you know, we have to give these things over to God. And, um, um, you know, we, we, we have, we have um, experienced in, in the relatively short time that we've been volunteering for Compassion. Um, we've experienced so many incredible stories of what God has done in the lives of these youngsters. But it all begins with one. I'm often reminded of um, how God works. And with when we sponsor a child, one sponsor, one sponsored child, if you can think about a pebble that you drop into a pond, when you drop a pebble in, you see God working, that one child. Now, when you sponsor a child, 28 pounds a month, uh, it sounds a lot, but I don't know about your finances, um, but I do know how much Linda and I can spend if we go for a coffee in Costa and, and, and maybe a tiffin. Oh, um, <clears throat> but you know, when you top that up, you're not in there every day, but um, you know, what I'm trying to say is we can, we can very quickly add up 28 pounds in a month. And there's nothing wrong with having a coffee in Costa. I'm not here to condemn anybody, but I'm trying to put things in perspective in that um, um, that 28 pounds a month can have such a, a ripple effect. Not only do you give that child the opportunity to um, receive nutritional food at least one day a week, regular health checkups and the regular health checkups Often they will take place in the child's home. And while they're there, if they're siblings or a parent or guardian that has got a cough or whatever, they'll check them out as well. So the ripple effects, you start to see it. And when that child receives education, um, who knows what that child may achieve in their lives that um, we, we've, we've uh, heard of children becoming builders, civil engineers, um, uh, teachers, nurses. One of our children, one, uh, Violet in Uganda, who you will get to meet in a moment or two, she wants to be a nurse. And I believe that when she becomes a nurse, not if she becomes a nurse, but when she becomes a nurse, she will make a significant impact in the community.
community that she lives. Another ripple. And then so it goes on. We know of children who've graduated from their projects and they're in politics now, making an influence in the government of the country that they're in. Children that are um, um, professors, there is no limit. When a child, every child, every single child is born with a potential. And when I look at our grandchildren, we see the opportunities that lie ahead for each one of them. <clears throat> And our, our prayer is that every single child would have that same opportunity. They deserve it. They didn't choose to be born in this, this poverty and in the situation that they find themselves in. I'd like to just show you a <clears throat> relatively short video um, of how sponsorship can impact a child's life. The video is called The Least of These, and it's the longer version. If we could just watch that for a moment, and then I will come back. Even we could go at least for three days without food. The friends that I played with in the neighborhood got captured and was being trained to become child soldiers. We would beg our parents just to buy one apple, but even the rotten ones we could not afford to buy. In a period of 18 months, I lost my small brother Patrick, my mom, and I lost my stepdad because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. When my mother died, I was lost. I was looking for hope, for God to just show me that everything was going to be okay. Not knowing what tomorrow will look like, not knowing whether I would have a home, whether we would live to see the next day. I don't know why Aaron Mitchell decided to sponsor me, but when he did, my whole life changed. A group of people from Compassion showed up at my church. They said, you're gonna go to school, and then somebody's going to write to you. I don't have to worry about whether my parents would have enough money to keep me going to school. Even if I get sick, someone was there to take care of me. I felt safe, I felt wanted. My sponsor is Edwin Bunny, Maria and Hanshru. Aaron, me too. Five women from a Lutheran church that were sponsoring me. I am now a physical therapist and I'm working in a hospital. Clinical social worker. I was the first child in my family to go to high school, to go to college. I have a bachelor and a master in, in, in biomedical engineering, a second master in engineering management, and uh, I called me into ministry, so I had to go and get a third master. 
I have a ministry called Youth Arise Africa that works with boys who don't have father figures. We opened a small school. It's now providing the same opportunity that Compassion provided to me so that they too can break out of the cycle of poverty. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. You do for me. You did for me. You did it for me. Sponsor a child today to break the cycle of poverty in a child's life, like my sponsor did for me. You see what I mean by the ripple effect? You know, we can make a difference. In Matthew 25, 40, Jesus says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You know, the, the amazing thing about compassion is it's a personal relationship that the sponsor has with the child. We, we get to write letters, we get to communicate directly. We may never, it's quite possibly um, certain that we may never meet that child. Linda and I have been privileged to meet two of our children. <clears throat> and that is an amazing experience. But we have a personal relationship with every one of those children that we are blessed to sponsor and play a small part in their lives through writing letters encouraging them through a letter you've already heard <clears throat> what a letter means through linda um, and this little boy who um, he lived on his own and he pasted these letters on the inside of his door and so that he was never alone because his sponsor was with him all the time through those letters. That's why the letters are so important. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I don't want to um, labor on um, the point, but um, as I said right from the outset, Linda and I are passionate about the work that Compassion do because they work with children, because it's a personal thing, and every single one of us can make a difference. You know, we can say that <clears throat> these millions of children, you know, we're small church, we're never gonna make a difference. <clears throat> but I read a, um, I, I read a stat how many Christians there are in the world. And it's billions, I think it was about 2.6 billion Christians. We're not alone. <clears throat> you, you may think, well, there's, there's, there's only, I don't know, 60, 70 people in here, or I don't, I don't know, but we're not alone. There are, we, we should not listen to the media in saying it when they say that christianity is on the decline it is not we are not alone and when we 
listen to the direction of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, what he called us to do. We are here to make a difference. We are here to make a difference. And we can make a difference. There are far more Christians in the world than there are children living in poverty. Praise the Lord. And <clears throat> one child at a time, we can make a difference. We can release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. I'm, we're going to see another video that is very personal to Linda and I. And um, I was going to come back up after this video, but I may not be able to. <laughs> but I just want to say that we, Linda and I, have a table just through the lounge there. And we'd love it if you would come and just ask, throw some questions at us, because I'm sure you've got questions. How, how can I help? I'm, I'm a little bit unsure about this. I'm not sure whether I want to do it today or not. But just come and talk to us. And we'd love to um, try and answer any of your fears or, or point you in a particular direction or, or yes, we would love to introduce you to the next member of your family. I've got Hashling here. I don't know whether you can all see her. But um, we were looking through some of the profiles that um, that we were sent out to us to bring along with us to your church today. And um, Hashling, she's six years old. She lives in Nicaragua and she's still my heart. <laughs> but I'd love it if Hashling could find a family today. And if you'd like to know a little bit more about Hashling and some of the other children that we have with us, come and see us at the table. But um, for now, we want to thank you once again for giving us this opportunity. Um, and we don't take this lightly. Um, it is a, an incredible opportunity that you've given us, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the impact that you're making in 27 children's lives. We are just blown away by that. Um, and we are sure that there is more. There is more. But um, we're just going to leave you with this video meeting Violet and thank you once again. I believe it's all about the one. If we can make a difference in one person's life, then who knows what that can lead to. We take so much for granted in the Western world. And, you know, when you visit 
a compassion child and you see firsthand, you realise what is important. We're not able to see our compassion girls grow. We have photographs of them. Those photographs are side by side with our own daughters and our grandchildren. Violet was quite little and now she's 14 and growing up fast. So it's going to be quite exciting to actually see her in person. This is, for us, a dream come true to visit the girl that has been in our prayers, on our hearts, in our thoughts for 11 years. When the family gets a visit, it is actually a blessing. The child meets the sponsor and the child can never imagine I'll ever see this person physically, apart from photos and communication in letters. But when there's this sponsor coming physically, wow, it's just breathtaking. And it's a blessing to the families. When we were maybe 50 meters away, we could hear them. The windows were up, but we could still hear them singing, singing their hearts out. She appeared out of nowhere. I didn't see it coming. But she just threw herself at me. And I don't think I will ever forget that moment. It was like we'd known each other ever since she was born, and that we'd been apart for so long. You're not just sponsoring some random person who you never know anything about. Each child is known by somebody. They are cared for, they are looked after. I think about the staff, how passionate they are to see these kids thrive and uh, flourish. We want to add value on these children's lives. That means economically, spiritually, they know what to do. We only play a small part, but to see the day-to-day -day running of the project that provides hope, Violet. I will always remember that and remind myself that she's being cared for. Looking at each person on that photograph that plays a part in Violet's life, and I think that was the thing that struck me, you know, that it's not just us. Each member of staff plays a part in making sure she thrives making sure she reaches her full potential. And that's what really struck me. It will really be treasured. I realise that I can't change the world, but I know Linda and I can make a difference in more children's lives. The only thing that I know for sure is that our lives are not going to be the same again.